a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is then a sanctification. Is a daily drowning of the flesh and, the, and a daily rising again of the new man to life. And that is what we call repentance. The law comes to us and shows us our sin, and then the gospel comes and, and forgives our sins, and, and, and by that the new man rises daily to life. The point is the forgiveness of sins. I mean, I, I wonder if the gospel was preached in that gray old church. I wonder if the sacraments were rightly administered. Because if it was, that's the point. I wonder if those gray old people needed the forgiveness of sins. It's like putting Vaseline in your eyes before reading the New Testament to be a dispensation. Because <laughs> you can't tell anyway what's up and down. So. You're just trying to get on the Facebook quote page. Hey, welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Uh, I'm Evan Giglin here with Pastor Wolf Mueller. What were you talking? I, I, this new uh, intro I, throws me off. Yeah, I do it like once every or twice every year, so uh, you're not used to it when I, when I switch it up on you. I know, I know. Uh, I you were talking about uh, how the dispensationalist has to put Vaseline in his eyes before he reads the Bible. <laughs> oh. Did you like that? Yeah, I did. That was good. Even though you're just trying to get on the Facebook fan page. Right. By the way, we're on Facebook, aren't we? I, I heard about uh, this. Ah, yes. Facebook. We're on Facebook. I Poor Facebook. I have four poor Facebook fans. We did the Praise Song Cruncher <laughs> Marathon the other day. And our Facebook fans had posted all these praise songs. And Evan used only one submitted by email. I don't know. I, I, I was trying to defend. He, dear Facebook fans, he snuck that on me. I would have stood up and defended you, but he just dropped the bomb. I'm not, not, not going to get on that wretched website. Ugh. Discrimination. Although no, look, I here's here's a tip of the hat to our Facebook friends. Uh, I did put a link to our Facebook group on our our homepage at uh, tabletalkradio.org. So, nice. If you see a sudden um, rush or a, a sudden increase of of glut. fans, uh, glut. you'll know Fan why. Glut. It's because of the uh, the link. On, I'm on check how many we have right now. All right, you do that. In the meantime, I will tell you what's up for today on Table Talk Radio. First, we're gonna play. Name that theologian. And next, uh, we're going to play Which Ladder? A pretty simple show. So name that theologian and which ladder uh, for Table Talk Radio today. Uh, that's, of course, after we do our buzzwords. Yes. Do you have a count? I got a buzzword for you. You ready for this? Yeah, I was, I was wanting to know how many fans we had. I'm working on it. I, I pressed the wrong button. I can't ever get around just, here. Just use here the fancy is. link from tabletalkradio.org. Oh, I should have done that. Yeah, uh, We have 434 members. Hey, that's up two from uh, <laughs> from last week. How do people Growing find Growing by leaps us? and How bounds. <laughs> the whole internet is on our Facebook fan page. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, uh, what's your what's your buzzword for me? My bur- buzzword for you, I don't even really know how to say this, but uh, something like eudemism. E u d e m o n i s m eudemism. This is now the official dictionary definition is a system of ethics that evaluates actions in terms of their capacity to produce happiness. Ah, from the Greek probably uh, oi, which means good, and then I don't know 
what demonism means. But anyway, this is now the reason this came up is a, a listener uh, pointed out to me that when we were interviewing uh, uh, Pastor Steve Parks on Grace, he talked about how guys like uh, Joel Osteen and these sorts have basically a, theo- a, a eudemistic theology. In other words, the theology is there to make you happy. God is there to make you happy. So it's all about your happiness. And you can determine how blessed or unblessed you are based on your happiness. Uh-huh. And so that's uh, eudemism. Eudemism. I think I'll probably notice when you use that. Yeah. Eudem. <laughs> this is like a eudem. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, I have a Greek uh, theological buzzword for you. Awesome. Uh, we've talked about this on the air, but it's never been a buzzword, and that is diatheke, which uh, is, is translated as covenant, right? Or testament. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or testament. And actually, uh, when this diatheke is used uh, in uh, the account of the Lord's Supper, of the Last Supper with Jesus with the disciples, uh, testament is the preferred translation, uh, that being because uh, that, that, that Jesus is giving his last will and testament, that he is... Uh, uh, going to the cross, about to die, and he is now uh, setting forth his will to the to the apostles and to us uh, to be receivers of this gift that 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 we continue to partake um, according to his will. So, uh, testament is probably the best translation, especially uh, as used at the Last Supper. Yes, that's right. So, a covenant ends when the person dies a testament begins when the person dies that's the simple distinction but you don't the trouble is we don't have it either in hebrew or in greek we the same word means both uh, we have it's nice in english this is actually one place where english is a little bit better because you had you have the word covenant and you have the word testament so yeah usually it's the other way around but in this case uh, the english brings out the clarity yeah we got lucky well, if you want to uh, give us a call, the number is 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA. And then uh, you can uh, give us your comments on this show, agree or disagree, or anything else. Bumper stickers, we, we still like to take bumper stickers to that number, 1-800-385-SOLA. All right, we're playing Name That Theologian, and I want to hear from you first, Pastor. All right, uh, give uh, you a little time to find one? Or yeah, one? I do. This I have a <clears throat> I have a beautiful little section here. Now this is an old theologian. I mean he's probably over eighty. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Really, he's uh, ancient. So uh, so good luck with this. I'll I'll read a little bit and then uh, tell me when you want to stop and talk about it. And then I'll read a little bit more, etc. And we'll, we'll go through. I got about uh, I got one long paragraph here. Okay. And this uh, let's see. But if any of our own people inquire. Not from the love of debate, but from the love of learning, why Jesus suffered death in none other way save on the cross. Let him also be told that no other way than this was good for us, and that it was well that the Lord suffered this for our sakes. For if he came himself to bear the curse laid upon us, how else could he have become a curse unless he received the death set for a curse? That is the cross. For this is exactly what is written, Cursed is he that hangs on a tree. Okay, you can stop there, and we'll talk about that much, huh? Uh, This is a a good uh, response, a good answer to the question that that seems like it always comes up, right? Uh, If God uh, can do anything, then why didn't he just save his people uh, without sending Jesus to die on the cross, right? Have you you heard this before, Pastor? Has anyone ever asked you that question before? Uh, Yes. And so did you just quote this theologian to him? 
I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> well, you but, could. I mean, is, uh, you could. I mean, this is great. I, I mean, I didn't. But this is. It's a. It's a. It is a fantastically. You know, sometimes it's really good for us to go back to the basics and say, you know, well, why again did did Jesus? Was it necessary for Jesus to be God? And why was it necessary for him to be man? And and why did he die on the cross? You know, I mean, so, some of these really sort of basic things that. that um, are, are always good to revisit. We can't because we can't study them enough. And I realize that there's a there's a lot of people who are Christians that just they don't understand the, the, the what Jesus was even doing on the cross. Why why he had to do that. So this is very helpful. <laughs> this is a this, we'll talk about uh, this again later when we play Witch Ladder. Just as a a teaser. Oh, um, but, but this is fantastic. What, whatever this theologian says uh, that that we can have it no other way. Why? Uh, because you and I are sinners, and uh, there is a curse for sin. And so if Jesus had not uh, died on the cross, if he had not taken the punishment uh, of, of sin upon himself, the wrath of God for himself, then then we would be left with, with that with that punishment for sin. And and that is not how God wants it. God wants uh, that that that. That, that we would be forgiven of the sin, and, and, and that is only by the death of Jesus on the cross. Right. Okay. That's right. We have, there's some more here. Yeah, two minutes. It, in fact, there's going to be two more reasons why the Lord it was necessary for the Lord to die on the cross. This is where it gets kind of interesting. Again, if the Lord's death is the ransom of all, and by his death the middle wall of uh, partition is broken down, that's from Ephesians 2, I think, uh, and the calling of all nations is brought about. How would he have called us to him had he not been crucified? For Now listen to this. For it's only on the cross that a man dies with his hands spread out. Once it was fitting for the Lord to bear this also and to spread out his hands that with the one he might draw the ancient people and with the other those from the Gentiles and unite both in himself. For this is what he himself has said, signifying by what manner of death he was to ransom all. When I am lifted up, he says, I shall draw all men unto me. Okay, this is pretty interesting. Um, well, I uh, maybe you you can you can advise me on this. Uh, well, it is certainly true that that by the death of Jesus, uh, he unites uh, a Jew and Gentile. Um, in, in the sense that we, we are all now uh, his people, the, the, the people people of Israel, by his death. Um, can can we say that, that that was why he died on the cross with his hand spread, or is he just kind of using that as, as an analogy and a symbol? You see what I'm getting at here? Oh, yeah. No, no, I know. I mean, yeah, this is, a, uh, this is certainly a symbolic thing, so that J- Jesus died with his arms open to welcome all people. And you say, now, really? I mean... Are you sure about that? I mean, it's a nice little a little uh, picture there, right? But I'm just it not sure. It kind of preaches, but it's not uh, yeah. necessarily what the text says. But you find <laughs> right. this when you see these ancient church fathers. And I think this is interesting. And I, ah, it's an it's ancient just, church father. Oh, all right, all right. Now you're, you're on. <laughs> yeah, uh, is that they have these this kind of attention to detail like this, which is very, very intriguing. Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but it it makes us pay attention to the text, which is a blessed thing to do for sure. Right. Well, this is good. So we have one more quote from this ancient church father uh, right after this when we get back from Table Talker Radio. And then I will uh, give Pastor Wolfmiller some quotes for Name That Theologian. Don't go away. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
low-budget alternative to staring at the wall. This is Table Talk Radio. Each year, Concordia Theological Seminary hosts the Good Shepherd Institute, in which they talk about liturgy, hymns, the church's life of worship, and how it applies to the Lord giving us his gifts. The theme this year is the theology of the Christian's death in rite and song, and it's a marvelous schedule, beginning on Sunday afternoon, November the 7th, and ending on Tuesday, uh, November the 9th, at lunchtime. This is, this is two and a half days packed with the Lord's word and his blessings. The, uh, the plenary, uh, one of the plenaries that I would really love to hear is, is Dropping Dead in Jesus, a biblical theology of death and dying uh, by, by William Swirla from Holy Trinity in Hacienda Heights, California. There, there's also the rhetoric of death, preaching that death conquers death. Uh, by uh, Dr. Busher and Peter Cage, uh, both uh, marvelous preachers. Uh, Professor Pless is going to be there giving a plenary, the baptismal ethic at life's end, dying we live, uh, and, and that would also be well worth your time to go and attend. If you're interested in, in attending the Good Shepherd Institute, you can visit the seminary website at ctsfw.edu and, and sign up to go there. So again, the Good Shepherd Institute, hosted by Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Sunday, November 7th uh, to Tuesday, November 9th. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're playing Name what is that, that Theologian. You don't know that song? No. That music is it's... way too hip for us. <laughs> that's true. I think that's uh, the Beastie Boys, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> At least you cut out the parts with the words. Yeah. But yeah. we're back to it with the words here. Uh, we're playing Name That Theologian, and you've got no clue. And this is not going to help you either. But we were talking about <laughs> the reasons why Jesus died. Now, this ancient theologian said the first reason is he had to bear the curse. That's exactly right. The second reason is that in the death of Jesus, his arms are extended to receive both Jews and Gentiles, to bring the world together. Now, we know that in the cross, Jesus did tear down the middle partition, which stood between us. But... We uh we taught that was a, that was a, maybe a, perhaps a bit of speculation, but here we're gonna go through the third reason. Are you ready? Ready. And once more, if the devil, the enemy of our race, having fallen from heaven, wanders about our lower atmosphere and there bearing rule over his fellow spirits as his peers in disobedience, not only works illusions by their means in them and are deceived, but tries to hinder them that are going up, and about this the apostle says, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. While the Lord came to cast down the devil and clear the air and prepare the way for us up into heaven, as the apostle said, through the veil that is his flesh, and this must needs be by death, well, by what other kind of death could this have come to pass than one which took place in the air, I mean on the cross? For only he had, that is, perf uh, for only he that is perfected on the cross dies in the air, whence it was quite fitting that our Lord suffered this death. For thus being lifted up, he cleared the air of the malignity both of the devil and the demons of all kinds. As he says, I beheld Satan as lightning fallen from heaven and made a new opening 
of the way into heaven, as he says once more, lift up your gates, O ye princes, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. For it was not the word himself that needed an opening of the gates, being Lord of all, nor were any of his works closed to the Maker, but we it was that needed it, whom he carried up in his own body, for as he offered it to death on behalf of all, so by it he once more made ready the way up into the heavens. Nice. Okay, so this is largely talking about uh, that the uh, the death of Jesus uh, defeats Satan and Satan and his power. Um, and and uh, this this is true. I mean, this is it's right. It's true. Yeah. It is so interesting to say that he does this by being lifted up in the air, and that yeah. crucifixion is the only execution that happens in the air. I mean, that's really interesting. Yeah, that is. Huh? Do you have any other insight on that, or? Uh, not really. I mean, it is. Here's here's the nice thing that I, I um <clears throat> that I like about this uh, uh this little quote here is that you know you have these people that want to divide up the work of Jesus. So over here he's our ransom, he's bearing the curse, etc. And then over here that that's what's called the um uh, the uh, Anselmic theory of the atonement, the ransom theory. And then on the other side, you have guys saying, oh, we got, I got the Christus Victor theory of the atonement, that Jesus defeats the devil. Well, look here, it's all the same. If Jesus is forgiving your sins, he's destroying your devil. If he's destroying your devil, he's overcoming your death. If he's overcoming your death, he's forgiving your sins. They're, they they all are in, wrapped up in the same action. You can't divide this out into these different theories of atonement. It's it's I mean, it's... It, it's just not useful, and and there it is, right there in this quote that Jesus is our curse, and he's also our devil destroyer. All right, but that's all I got on that's that. That's great. Um, so I know exactly who this is. Oh, you do? No, I have no idea. <laughs> this is Gregory the Great. Oh yeah, close. Uh, this is Athanasius. <laughs> he was he was one the uh, of the few church fathers that I. Remembered the names of. Uh, he was one that was on the list. I could have gotten that. This is the. This is on his incarnation of the Word. He's ah. so he's arguing for the. Um, he's arguing for, uh, for the incarn for a true and real incarnation. So. You know, we we uh, we look at the church fathers a little bit uh, in uh, church history one at the seminary, but but there's so much jam packed into that class because you're dealing with all the heresies and and councils and all stuff. There's so much in there that we don't really spend too much time looking at the primary text. So that's one of the things that I'm anxious to get in, you know, get into after uh, after seminary to be able to kind of read some of the primary text. But you're right, I do find a lot of um, uh, allegorizing with, with the church fathers, which I'm not too fond of. It's, I mean, I'll tell you, there's, so, there's really something. Um, when you read the church fathers and when you read Luther and you say, oh boy, uh, this is... Um, this is this is there, there's it's different. I mean the church fathers are good, but it's just it's just not the same. I mean I don't even know really how to say it. Uh, Luther's fantastic. How about that? Yeah. Well, I think we need to work against. Sometimes people have this idea in theology that uh, this is a little tongue in cheek, but that but that the church fathers are inerrant <laughs> or infallible. Yeah. You know, right, they right. think well, well we're quoting the church fathers. Uh, you know. They're 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 really early, so they're so they're correct. They're right, and that's not always true. But they they, they do have some great things to say, uh, no doubt about it. Correct. Okay, are you are you ready for your your theologian then? Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Have you been studying all night for this? Yeah. Yeah. Cramming. I've read a little bit from each theologian. <laughs> all right. Um. This first one might be a little ambiguous, but I think I think you'll you'll uh, 
it'll shed some light on the, with the other quotes. But here's the first one. The movement of the human spirit pressing towards God can be associated with three characteristic names. Plato, what are you talking about? Say the, that again? The, Hold on. The movement of the human spirit pressing upwards to God can be associated with three characteristic names. All right. Plato, oh man, I don't know how to pronounce this other one. Uh, Gothi and Hegel. 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 Okay, thank you. Uh, um, for Plato, the immediate knowledge of the absolute mm. is not bound to any special viewpoint. For Gothi, nat- uh, nature serves to illustrate the universe. For Hegel, history becomes a source of divine revelation. Lasting significance and real merit of German idealism is that it secured for history its proper place in the confines of spiritual thought. According to Hegel, the eternal is not to be recognized through a purely intellectual religious, but only by what is actual and historical. Hmm. So there's your first one. All right. Yeah, there's, this is, um, there's not many people that write like this. Uh, now, this apparently is going to have to be someone that is writing after Plato, in fact, after <laughs> uh, Hegel as well. So, uh, um, so it's going to be more of a it's going to be a twentieth uh, uh, century guy, um, uh, and he's talking about the, the these the three basic kind of ascent to God uh, ideas. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about this, though. So, all right. Well, here's uh, read a little more, and then I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pay attention, especially <laughs> to this. You can start listening to me now. Yeah, let okay. me, I'm gonna stop cleaning out my checking my email here, and I'm gonna listen. To <laughs> Balancing it. your checkbook and everything. Okay. I do. I do this with. Half, don't we do this show with half our half our orthodoxy tied behind our back? Yeah, that's my Just excuse. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. All right, here it is. Uh, the will has always been reckoned as a mighty factor and in opinion of many as the real center and prominent function of the entire personality. With uncanny energy driven out of the goldings of the laws of this and that religion, it has been developed to the point of uh, virtuosity. No matter what confusing abundance and diversity of images immediately arises before our eyes, the one who looks more deeply recognizes behind all the different efforts the common idea that through the spurring on the increase and multiplication of the natural powers of the will, it becomes possible for man to grow holier and finally through sheer and moral aspiration to bring himself into union with God. In a moral discipline of the teachings of Confucius, in the self-discipline of Stoic morals, in the desperate efforts of the Buddhist monk to destroy all enjoyment of sin, in the Pharisee, the pious churchman, the consistently that that cons, that sorry, which consistently torments himself about about keeping of fasts and tithing, in the ethical humanist and idealist who is proudly conscious of his autonomous personality that takes up divinity into his will, in the lodge brother who by moral effort out of of the raw material of his nature makes himself free, masoned, <laughs> all alike are sure that the communion with God may be attained by the fulfillment of ethical duties. Yeah, that's quite a mouthful that you gave us there. <laughs> uh, you want to? Could I? Sure. Could I su- summarize it? Because uh, um, I listened to the first half and then I caught myself checking email again and then I came back in at the end. So what, what about this uh, summary here? Is that uh, every system in the world, one way or another, boils down to you got to get it done. 
yeah, I it's think it's an act of our own will. I think that's that's a good assessment. And, and while and while all these systems, I mean, you figure you you would figure that hey, uh, Freemasonry is kind of different than Buddhism. But when it, you really kind of boil it down to brass tacks, when you strip away all the dressing, you know, the incense and the big buildings downtown and all this other stuff, the secret handshakes and the pink robes or whatever, orange robes, it, when you boil it back down, it's just simply a matter of you've got to try harder to be better. And this uh, is, is the, the reduction of uh, this, of all of our efforts to the will. Now, this, I mean, I, I think this is... This book, I'll, you you probably have one more quotation ready to go, but this sounds an awful lot like our friend um, Adolf Caberly and the Quest for Holiness, or one of his buddies, because these guys write like this with this kind of broad uh, understanding of the different confessions surrounding and swirling around us out there. Uh, so I think that's what's happening here, but we'll see when we yeah, come Yeah, we'll back. see if you uh, still believe that uh, in hearing this third quote. If you would like to get text message alerts from Table Talk Radio, you can do so by text messaging the word Table Talk to 69302. Altogether, one word Table Talk 69302. Don't go away, we'll be right back. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio will be right back. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing Name That Theologian. One more quote for Pastor Wolfmuller. Don't forget, Pastor, I think you forgot about this, that we have this this wonderful, miraculous merchandise shop on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Oh, yeah. uh, I think we've sold one thing there. Uh, no, that's Good, not true. I'm glad you reminded me, because, you know, I'm, I was just thinking the other day, there's only like 175 shopping days till Christmas. So what am I gonna... <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you can buy a uh, Table Talk Radio tree ornament uh, on the, right there on the merchandise you shop. You can? Yeah, with our, with our faces smacked right on the right on the ornament, so... Why would anyone in the world watch that? <laughs> hey, are you trying to say there's useless junk in our merchandise shop? Take it, take it back. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> All right, oh, one more quote. I mean, the, I, the Table Talk Radio dog drinking bowl, I can understand. <laughs> because the dog would, wouldn't care, but you know, when, yeah. pe- when people have to look at it. <laughs> And then the dog, you know, goes to have a drink and, <laughs> or maybe he could break out into that praise song, Hallelujah. Oh no. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. We we got an email from someone saying they they took their dog to the vet because the dog was was sick, and the vet found out that it wasn't drinking water because it had a, a table talk radio uh, dog dish. So, oh, yeah. it, it, it could be harmful to your dogs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're try- I'm trying to guess this theologian. You and he's this guy is going on and on about the will and all these different religions. So that's really, I mean, just examining all of this stuff and it's kind of wordy, like a German theologian, but it's uh, comprehensive and um, uh, he doesn't want to leave anything out. And I've, I'm leaning towards our friend Adolf Caberly, the book on pawn which we base the marvelous game, which latter, which we're going to play here pretty quick. 
So let's get this that, last quote. That would have been a good see. idea. I should have done if that. Fl- to, to if have... it flows one into the other. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a great idea. I should have... uh, you know, the, <laughs> the reason why I think maybe it's not Adolph Caberly is because it would actually make too much sense for the show. It kind of hold it all together <laughs> yeah. too tightly. Yeah, we uh, that that does that's not tables are crazy. To Here. come up with that kind of forethought is just <laughs> we'll leave that to the other guys. I told you I got up at seven thirty this morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's right, that's right. You were yeah, I did fifteen minutes of show prep. Of course it is. It's tight. It fits together like a you know, like a German engineered motor machine here. This is there you go. All right, I'm ready. Uh, Give was, it to me. Before the show, I was complaining to Pastor Wolfman that I got up at seven thirty. Uh which Colorado time, uh he we, he starts recording the show at seven, so I, you know. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Complain. I had to get up early to do the dishes before I came into work this morning. Oh boy. Yeah. All right, last know. quote. Here it is. Ready. Man would rather benumb his faculties with the ceaseless, fervorless intoxication of erotic or mystical excitement, so as not to have to see the death sentence that hangs over him. At Whoa. Any, at any cost, he wants to pay the price himself. To attain justification through sanctification, reconciliation through merits, salvation through soaring aspirations, the knowledge of God through the removal of limitations by his own reason and strength. And yet on each of these roads, the honest man comes at least to those final limitations that turn the pride of the heart into despair. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) That's a that's a slapdown of the ladder that we call mysticism or emotionalism, and it's uh, so. Look, you got the slapdown of the will, you got the slapdown of the of emotionalism, mysticism, and you must have probably had in the first quote that I wasn't paying attention to the <laughs> smackdown of of rationalism. These are the three ladders, uh, and they're identified and smacked down by our friend. And theologian Adolf Kaberly in his book The Quest for Holiness. It was originally called, by the way, Justification and Sanctification <laughs> in the German. I know it. But and <laughs> that doesn't sell that doesn't sell copies in America. Justification no, and the Quest for Holiness. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's like a Indiana Jones movie between the co- right. I'm going on a quest for holiness. And the whole point is that holiness is actually hunting you down. It's not the other way around. But don't tell anyone that. Let them read the book. You know, yeah. discovered. So I'm going to say this is Adolf Caberly. Pa-pow! You got it. 200 points Woo! for Pastor Wolfmuller. Only 200 points for all that? Yeah. Man, you are cheap. Oh, come on. This was a softball for you. I knew you were going to. You gave me uh, early church fathers whom I haven't read. Athanasius, remember. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You already forgot. Yeah. I could give you the same quote next time. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, you should see that. I heard that somewhere. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll say, now this is why, uh, this is talking about why Jesus had to die on the cross, and I won't even yeah. realize that I said that last time. <laughs> nice. Now, this is a quite a nice lead-in to our next game. because did Was the first quote about the, the ladder of the mind? Yeah, it wasn't too clear, though. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I, I could have found. You do have to focus with Caberly. For all those of you out there, and you're like, uh, you know, you there's no. I mean, Caberly is, um, he's fairly. Uh, what's the word for it? Um, well, for those who are used to to reading books from CPH like uh, Death, The Final Victory, or something like, I mean, one of those books, they're just kind of. Ones you can kind of wake up from a nap and just pick up and read. Um, th- this is not one of those books. <laughs> <laughs> the milk toast funeral planning book. <laughs> Wonder who wrote that? Some chump. 
I, you know, I, uh, <laughs> funerals for the armchair theologian or something. Oh, I don't know. Dear listener, that, by the way, is a book that I wrote, that, So just so in case you're wondering. <laughs> we are not insulting CPH. Evan is insulting me. Right. Yeah. Uh, Which is an important thing to. I'd like to note. <laughs> that we have all due respect for CPH. We love CPH. Yes, we love. do. Love. Yes, we I do. mean, with every form, well, maybe not, but phileo and agape, <laughs> both. For CPH, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and Pastor was actually doing a book signing, uh, but it turned out that it was dropping the value of all the books, so he had to quit. <laughs> <laughs> we had the game you call in and you could win a copy of this book, and uh, no callers. And the crickets in the background. <laughs> yeah, so because we, we use everyone's favorite thing to talk about death and funeral plans. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, let's let's, let's talk advantage. about which ladder. Yeah. All right. And you want you? I guess we've already set up the the three ladders, right? Oh, beautifully. I mean, beautifully. It is like you woke up early, you know. <laughs> it, uh, so you have so Caberly uh, lays out in this book, which we've heard some quotes before, that 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 there are basically three different ways that man attempts to come to a, a fellowship with God. He, the, he uses three instruments, so-called instruments: the instrument of the mind, the instrument of the will, or the instrument of the emotions the heart the feeling so that we have these three things and we call them with the mind rationalism with the will moralism or with the emotions mysticism or enthusiasm or whatever you agnosticism american evangelical whatever you want to call it so <laughs> these these three ways and so that we craft these ladders to f- climb to the presence of god and as evan has said so beautifully before look these ladders don't don't uh, lift us to God, they fall on us and crush us. This is all law stuff. Three different forms of the law. So the way we play which ladder is, we listen to some sort of sermon or read some sort of something, and uh, and then we ask the question, which ladder is this clown telling us to climb, and then why is that wrong? Okay, so this this uh, next one is uh, CBS uh, reports on a, a Pew a Pew forum survey. Now the the heart of what I want to get at is is the very last thing. But I'm gonna play I'm gonna play nearly the whole thing. Ed, edit a little bit for time, but here it is. Okay. For the overwhelming majority of Americans, religion is a central part of life. We wake up and watch it. This is my Bible. Pay tribute oh, yeah. to it. Lord knows we argue over it. But how much do Americans really know about religion? We're a nation of religious illiterates. Stephen Prothero is a professor of religion at Boston University. We have a lot of people who really love Jesus, but don't know much about him. We have a lot of people who believe and, and hope that the Bible is the word of God, but they don't really bother to read it. And it shows. On average, Americans correctly answered 16 of 32 religious knowledge survey questions. The three groups that really come out on top in this survey are atheists and agnostics, Jews, along with Mormons. And at the bottom? At the bottom are mainline Protestants, Catholics, and those who describe their religion as just nothing in particular. Here's some of the results from the survey. When asked the Dalai Lama's religion... Um, Hindu. I'm going to say Hindu. It's some sort of Middle Eastern religion. Fewer than half of Americans correctly answer that the Dalai Lama is... Buddhist. Name the first book of the Bible. I don't know. More than a third of Americans don't know that Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Here's another. What day does the Jewish Sabbath begin? Um, I'm going to say Saturday. Begins on Saturday. Less than half know that the Jewish Sabbath begins on... Friday. Reverend Nancy Lane, associate pastor at Roswell United Methodist Church just outside Atlanta, says faith without knowledge can be dangerous. 
somehow we've diluted down the gospel message where people have become more takers and they're mutual givers. For you, is your faith more inspiration or more information? Inspiration, clearly. 55-year-old Atlanta businessman Lee Hollingsworth says he didn't find Christianity until he almost lost his life to drugs and alcohol. For him, religion is based on a spirit of faith, not a fact sheet. Can I say it's irrelevant? Irrelevant? Yeah. Irrelevant knowing the history, the books, the tenets? It has nothing to do with it. Yes. Nothing at all? Nothing. Because? Because it's a matter of faith. All right. What do you think? Oh, boy. (laughs) We should make a game out of those 32 questions. Okay. Religious knowledge survey. Sure. And I'll give it to you and see how you do. Okay. That sounds good. (laughs) Uh, you're going to be studying now. Yeah, no kidding. I don't want to get this wrong on the air. <laughs> What's the first book of the Bible? What's the first book of the Bible? Uh, Matthew. Yeah. Oh, thank <laughs> as long as okay. it, <laughs> now, go ahead. This is, you have in this last guy. He's, it's the facts of the thing are irrelevant. The facts of the Bible, the facts of the history are irrelevant. Why? Because it's a matter of faith. This is this classic. This way that. Uh, rationalism and emotionalism are always fighting against each other, and you and you see it so clearly in that quote. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, uh, we'll continue talking about this clip, um, and then we'll get into the other clips for Witch Ladder right after this break. Don't go away. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio, the low-calorie Lutheran radio game show. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, before the break... And we are hip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before the break, we were talking about this report from CBS about how uh, we're religious idiots. And uh, this gentleman uh, in particular was discussing how the faith. <laughs> There's nothing. The... You all right over there? What did I say? <laughs> you had this kind of disdain in your voice, like it was about you. You're taking this personally. How we're a bunch of religious idiots. <laughs> well, no, I was making, I was making the accusation. Uh, but if you're attributing that to me, then I'll, I'll take note of that. <laughs> Okay, I, I got can it. see the people taking the survey, and they'll be just like you when you're playing Table Talk Jeopardy. This is a stupid survey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you remember when we were in St. Louis and uh, that deaconess said that, oh, I get all these answers right. Yeah. Uh, remember, yet yet yeah. we always invite people to be contestants on the show, and uh, we never get any phone calls. It's funny how that works. I have my favorite memory from St. Louis, by the way, which I don't think I've ever said on the air, was um, was when we were sitting there with Professor Pless, and he looks at you and says, "Be a good do loss." <laughs> yeah, he wanted an ashtray and thought that I Be should go get it. Be a good do loss and fetch me an ashtray. <laughs> do loss, by the way, is a Greek word for slave, uh, which for those of you that don't know. All right, and Evan, and there Evan goes, kind of shoulders hunched. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, my okay, my oh, <laughs> my favorite my favorite uh, uh, memory from St. Louis is when everybody was smoking a cigar except for you, and you asked I think every Lutheran in the hotel for a ho- for a cigar, and I'm like, oh, sorry, this is my last one. And then, as and we're, then they're all walking around with extras. Yeah, as, as we walked out, they all had extras in their in their hand. <laughs> I know. So was, you, you oh, being man. a bureaucrat uh, elevated you. None I know. I, I'm so bad at the bureaucrat shtick, you know. I'm like, I'm a bureaucrat. <laughs> I don't get a cigar out of this thing. No, man. Everyone's like, sorry, Brian. No, I don't. They're just trying to hide the the bulge in their in their chest pocket. <laughs> <laughs> giving them away to everyone else so that they don't get, you know, here, hey, you guys smoke these so I don't have to give one to Wolf. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're oh, passing man. around under the table so they can get caught with it with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> good times, good times. All right, well, okay, before the break, we, we listened to that C- uh, CBS clip, and uh, the gentleman said that uh, that that knowing things uh, is is irrelevant to his faith. What do you think? Yeah. Well, this is um. I mean, this is we said that we're doing which ladder here. So this is the, I mean, the the, the mystical ladder is always puts itself in opposition to the to the uh, intellectual ladder. So it's not about knowing the stuff. It's just about some experience. So the past doesn't matter. It's about now, and this is just pure old-fashioned gnosticism spiritualism i mean uh, oh, oh, who cares you know they did this thing about does it matter if jesus was raised from the dead and people are like no no it doesn't matter i'd still have i'd still be a christian what so that christianity is totally disconnected from the history and from the facts of the matter that that the lord has really done these things in real time and real space and accomplished them no no it doesn't matter what matters is the, that i'm kind of you know every week tickled by the spirit or whatever and this is uh, so that's uh, that's uh, mysticism and it's bad. All right. Uh, the next one is from CNN. It's again edited for the sake of time, uh, but uh, here's here's the the clip. Mother Teresa answered it in an article, uh, and I was going to ask you the same because I loved her answer. Uh, the first one is, "Why are you a Christian?" You know, I, I'm a Christian uh, by choice. Oh. Um, oh, no. You know, but my family didn't. Uh, you know, frankly, they weren't uh, folks who went to church every every week. Um, I mean, my mother was one of the most spiritual people I knew, but she didn't uh, raise me in the church. Uh, so I came to, to uh, my Christian faith later in life, uh, and it was because uh, the, the the precepts of Jesus Christ spoke to me in terms of the kind of life that I would want to lead, um, being my brother's and sister's keeper, uh, treating others as they would treat me. Um, and I think also understanding that, um, you know, that Jesus Christ dying for my sins uh, spoke to uh, the humility we all have to have as human beings, that we're <laughs> sinful and we're flawed and we make mistakes. Uh, and that uh, you know we we achieve salvation through uh, the the grace of of God. But what we can do, uh, as as flawed as we are, is still see God in other people and do our best to um, to 
to help them uh, find their uh, you know their own grace and and so that's uh, that's what I strive to do that's what I pray to do every day uh, I think my public service I uh, is part of that effort to uh, express my Christian faith um, and it, it's uh, but but the one and then he goes on to talk about how uh, how that's just for him and then we should be accepting of all religions uh, so so I mean that kind of goes on. So, um, what do you think? Yeah, this is. A, I mean, <laughs> the, our, our, it seems to me that our presidents are becoming worse and worse theologians. I don't know. If, I, have, I haven't been watching this for very long, but you don't. You certainly don't want the, the preacher in chief uh, because this is just the theology is absolutely horrendous here. So that so Jesus died for my sins means that gives me a good dose of humility because. Uh, to die for my sins must mean I'm a sinner, and that and everyone should be humble and know that they're sinnered, that that they're a sinner, that they're flawed. But 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 nothing more than that. So the gospel, the death of Jesus, remains only law. Right. Uh, and then now we find God and other people, and we serve them. This the idea of serving God and other people is a is a perfect mixture of mysticism and moralism. Because mysticism is going to work on this this kind of essential unity of the person, the soul, and the divine nature, and moralism is going to then be about serving that. So this is a these these are both the ladders that are working here. And there's nothing so there's nothing really about the essence of Christianity, which is that the Lord Jesus has died for our sins. There's nothing of that in here. Um, th- this is. Uh, uh, this is about now what I have to do, what kind of moral obligations my faith places on me. Yeah, um, that 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 was probably the the main thing I was going to remark on too. That that the death, the death the death of Jesus spoke to the humility of us all that we that we have to take. So, like you said, the the, the death of Jesus is is a um, an example of how we should live our lives. And and you know, at, at one moment you're like, ooh, a redeeming factor when he says uh, that we achieve salvation by the grace of God, which is pretty generic. But then what did he say next? And that all people should find their grace uh, to find their salvation. <laughs> but okay, so did he say uh, that that uh, we 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 find God in others? Is that is that what he said? Yeah, what did, I have wrote it down here. We oh we see God in other people. Okay, now th- this is fascinating because it's a, it's a complete reversal of how we have it in in theology because. Uh, especially in the Lutheran Church, we talk about the mask of God, which talk about how how God serves people through various vocations. And so, um, when uh, when there's a, a screaming baby in the middle of the night at the Wolf Me the Residence, uh, yep. and uh, I'm I'm guessing Carrie takes care of that. I'm, do you, you well, don't, I don't know why you think that. you don't get up. Okay, so Carrie, what are you talking so about? So Carrie goes and, and tends to this this crying baby. <laughs> And uh, so she's she's being the mask of God to this this baby, so so that uh, that, that that God's taking care of the baby through through uh, its mother. Um, but see, so that's the exact opposite that, that 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 God is working through people to serve people. But what uh, President Obama has has put it that that we're looking for God and people to serve. So we're we're serving God through people. Does that make sense? It's exact opposite yeah. of, of of how we have it in theology. Yeah, that's right. That's a nice point. Well said. I'm glad they talk about that vocation stuff uh, nowadays at the seminary. And they did when I was there, too, I guess. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. But this is an important sort of thing when we talk about what our Christian life looks like because it's uh, 
It's right. It, I mean, we don't want to disconnect it, the, the works and the lives that we're living from the gifts of God, certainly. But we want to have a right, uh, we want to divide law and gospel rightly here. And, and so uh, I, this is, the, talk about vocation and mass of God, this is kind of the nice thing to point to when we talk about good works. Uh, because when, when Christians usually talk about good works, they're, they're usually talking about the great and fantastic things uh, that, are, that are impressive to people, you know, that that I started a, I started a uh, teen pregnancy clinic or something like that, or I, I started, um, you know, this or that, you know, helped out the orphanage, which are all good things. I'm certainly not, uh, have a, I don't have anything against any of those things. Um, but that's what that's what we tend to look for for the good work. But we don't look at you know the the daily tasks that God has given us as the good works. And this really goes to uh, uh, what will happen on the last day that that uh, uh, you know, we'll we'll say you know Lord when did we ever see you you know naked or thirsty well, you know we were just we didn't we were doing this because we thought it was you we we didn't we didn't do this because we thought there were gods and other people that God and other people that we were trying to serve we were just you know doing what was placed before us right so. That's right. All right. That's well, good. hey, we have one more clip after uh, – so we'll, we'll do this on Extra Innings. So if you're listening okay. to this on the radio, go to tabletalkradio.org and listen to the podcast number 119. And then you can listen to the rest of this show on uh, the podcast at tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all human efforts to attain salvation. Huh. Absolutely useless. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. All right. Thanks for hanging in there with us for Table Talk Radio Extra Innings. Uh, we just wow. Have... We're still going? Not even a little break? Do you want a little break? You are intense. No, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. Thing. All right. Um, we just have one more. This one uh, is shorter. Uh, a little bit harder to listen to because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> But if you listen carefully at the very end, I think there's a little slip-up. and see if you catch it. Uh, but here's the third consideration for which ladder. Existence is a relatively simple concept. It is defined as that which consists of either matter or energy. Therefore, if a god exists, it must be composed of either matter or energy. The opposite must also be true. If a god is not composed of matter or energy, then that god, by definition does not exist. Thus, to argue that a god exists, despite a total absence of matter or energy, is to argue existence equals (laughs) non-existence, which is a complete contradiction. If a god exists, then physical evidence is really the only methodology Mm. by which we can ascertain that a god exists. Of course, this does not require direct physical evidence. We cannot perceive black holes directly, but we know that they exist due to the effects of their gravity wells on surrounding matter, as well as the flashes of energy that are released as captured matter crosses the event horizon. But since existence is defined as that which is composed of matter or energy, the proof of existence must be some evidence of that matter or energy. Evidence is defined as that which impacts our physical senses in some manner, either directly or or through some translating device such as a spectrograph or an oscilloscope.
Since our sensory organs are designed to perceive the effects of matter and energy, it is through the evidence of the senses that we can determine the existence or non-existence of things. All right, that's that's that. Now, did you hear the slip-up at the end? The existence or non-existence of things. Here, I'll, I'll, play, I'll play this part again. Ready? Since our sensory organs are designed to perceive the effects of matter and energy... <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> Design. Don't! <laughs> nice. Oops. All right. Uh, so what do you think? Existence uh, is, is matter or energy? <laughs> this is, I mean, this is kind of the classic. Now, these are your atheist guys. Um this is a this is a what we call a strict materialist. Oh, this is here's a helpful sort of thing, because we use the word materialism often kind of loosely, um, so we use um, we use it like Madonna. I'm a I'm living in a material world and I am a material girl, <laughs> uh, which means you say oh that person's a materialist. That means they got like really big fancy tires on their car and you know they. They, uh, they always go to Starbucks before they record Table Talk Radio or whatever. You know, this is kind of uh, this is about money. We the materialism kind of loosely means money, but there is a, a kind of an official, strict capital M definition of materialism, and that is that this world exists only of measurable things, and that's the definition that he had. Existence means that it's ma- matter or energy that it's measurable either by our own senses or by a translating device, so that you can somehow you have to measure this thing. And if it's if it's not measurable, it doesn't exist. Well, who gets to decide that, huh? <laughs> right. That's what I want to know. I mean, how? So you go you go along and you say, you're like, look, uh, Evan Gagline is six foot seven, and then you come along and you say, well, I'm Evan Gagline and I'm six foot two, and you're like, no, no, uh, I've already defined <laughs> Evan Gagline as being six foot seven, and if you're not six foot seven, then you are not Evan Gagline. You're like, what the? How, why do you get to make to make those sort of decisions about what existence is and what it isn't? I mean, because he's who? making the YouTube video. <laughs> well, there you go. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that's I mean, kind but, of nuts. isn't this? I think that's what is so fascinating about this video, though. Is I mean, we always say, and 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 when atheists hear this, they just go, "Oh, these guys are idiots." But uh, but that that. Atheists are actually propping themselves up as as a god, and, and it's true. I mean, if you think about it theologically, and so here it is. So he's going to say um, there is no god, and this is why. Here is the definition of existence, and God does not fit into this. Therefore, ergo, no god. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, who are you to establish this is the definition of who God is and how he should exist? Right. Crazy. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, so this is just rationalism. It's pure rationalism, and and the one of the features of rationalism is it has this kind of the idea of pure thought. So I can sit here and I can think about what it means to exist, and come up with definitions. So that it's kind of this, it's a, it's a weird sort of thing because rationalism, while it purports to be all about kind of reading the evidence, this certainly goes beyond reading the evidence because if there's if there's something that's that exists that's in that's not measurable. Then you that then ceases to be evidence, but you've gone ahead and said that there is nothing that fits that category. I mean, right? Oh, the whole thing is ridiculous. Well, and these and atheists, you know, they're I mean, the sm- <laughs> this, with the smartest guy in the room complex. Right. Just well, see, that's just it, uh, because uh, you say, well, hey, we're playing which ladder, and the ladder is climbing up to God, but the atheist believes in no God. But the point of the ladder is that 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 man is trying to justify himself to to. Uh, 
to sanctify himself. And so this is how the atheist does it, not by by climbing to God, but by by saying that he is justified, at least before all men, uh, because he can rationally prove that there is no God. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, that is true. I mean, it is an interesting thing that the that the rationalistic mind is most often used to justify this, that there is no God, like you said. But the point is, everyone has a God in one way or another. Uh, uh, so, you got... You either have the God who's out there, or you have the God who's in here, and that's most often the God that the the atheists worship. That's it. You got it. So you got all three of these. So 200 points each. You came away with two, four, six, eight hundred points today. How many did I get? Uh, none. Did you use the word eudemism? No, I couldn't. I, rem- I couldn't remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> I, I didn't hear diatheke either, though. So. Yeah, you don't. You always pick. I think you look at the games we're going to play, and then you think of a buzzword that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> True. I could have used it though. Yours, yours had something to do. I should have used it when we were talking about uh, the Caberly quote. Oh well. Yeah, about being happy. All about, right. Uh, justifying ourselves by overcoming the thought of death. Or right. Whatever he was talking about. Good. All right. Well, uh, congratulations to all of you who stuck it through to the end of the show. Uh, kudos. You can have to all you. my points. Eight hundred points to each of you. Uh, you can't. You can't do that. You only have one. I'm generous. Look, I don't need them. I got, uh, uh, you know, I got, I got a lot, loads of points back here. Yeah. Uh, Someone asked me. They were gonna. They were talking about how uh, ta- uh, Hope Lutheran was like the table talk mecca, and if you come to Hope Lutheran, you get free table talk radio points. <laughs> and I said we drink table talk radio points from the water fountain. Here. <laughs> They're just flowing all over. Yeah. Those those uh, those points and and a good friend will give you a cigar. <laughs> Yeah, which I have. I guess I have neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for sticking it through. We'll see you later.